Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs in chapter number 1. We're continuing with our mini-series and concluding it tonight of dealing with the five types of fools found within the book of Proverbs. Now once again, any person that desires to work with people inside of a ministry setting or minute people period, this is a series that you really need to know. And of course, you're not going to grab everything that you want under one hearing, probably something that you should have access to, whether it's YouTube or a website or audio or whatever works. But this is a series that you really need to get familiar with because if you are going to work with people, without a doubt, you'll run into this idea of working with fools. And we have to understand where people are at and where they're going, how to stop them, how to help them, when we should counsel, when we should not counsel. And for those who have a desire to be parents or those who are parents, this is something that is vital for you right here, right now. You must know, understand, please don't pass, go grab this, grab this. This is a life-changing, family-changing series if we understand this idea of fools. So turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Proverbs chapter 1, and notice with me in verse 7, our bouncing off text for this series, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you don't mind, once again, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God, and thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house tonight. We're asking that you would open up your Bible once again for us, that you would give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge, that you would help us, Lord, to be able to identify fools and where they're at and understand how to be a help and when we should do something else. Lord, again, I am not physically capable tonight. I need you in a special way that you'd fill me with your spirit, that you would be my strength, my song, my savior, that you would do this all, that we could trust you and that you could do this in spite of me, not because of me, in order to be a help to your dear folks. Lord, thank you. And let all eyes be upon you and the wisdom that you grant us, especially when we're seeking for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Hebrew language, there are five different words that are translated into our English word fool. So from Hebrew to English, there are five words that are translated to our one word fool. There is the simple fool, and remember this is the fool who has <coughs> no discernment. He is someone who's not purposely trying to get in trouble. He just doesn't understand that there's consequences for his actions. And if that fool is not stopped and corrected, he will turn to the silly fool. The silly fool is known for his mouth because he throws fits that because he hasn't been corrected before when someone attempts to correct him or gives him instruction that with his mouth he's going to protest loudly. Now this fool is still salvageable, still very salvageable. They just 
have to practice uh, discipline and work with this fool. But if it is not stopped, this will turn to the sensual fool. The sensual fool is now turned a corner. And now he is <laughs> purposely doing what feels good to him right then and right now. And this is important uh, because now this fool is now uh, turned and counseling does not work. Now it comes to the idea that hard, severe correction is necessary to change course for him. After that turns to the scorning fool who we talked about last week. The scorning fool brags about being a fool. He attracts followers, gets others to be in trouble. He is also known for his mouth. In fact, his body language, because he disdains everything that is godly, everything that is true and everything is right. May I also remind people that just because uh, it may not say God or church, if it is a biblical truth, these people will automatically disdain it. So (laughs) the idea of Even if it's outside of church, the basic idea of right and wrong, the basic idea that this is true, this is factual, that if it's something that lines up with biblical truth, they are going to disdain it. They're going to scoff at it. And of course, that's anyone on YouTube nowadays. And then we turn to this fool that we're covering today. And this is going to be the steadfast fool. That if these fools are not stopped, this is the final destination of this fool and the fooldom. And if you don't mind, we're not going to just stay in Proverbs, but we're going to explore other places in the Bible that emphasizes this fool. Now, a fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God, whether it's basic obedience or whether it's following the principles of God, they do not follow the wisdom of God. That is why they are a fool. Distinguishing these different types of fools will help us to know when to counsel and the type of counseling they shall receive in order to help them. We know that there are different degrees of fools and they're going to progress worse and worse and worse. That they will not get better on their own. They have to have intervention to correct their behavior. Whether it's simple biblical discipline at home or something more severe to get their attention. And you need to stop someone before they get too far. Each one of these are going to get to the place where they do more and more damage to families, more and more damage to the people around them. Tonight, we're going to cover this last fool, the steadfast fool. The steadfast fool, the Hebrew word is Nabal, which simply means in its literal idea is stupid or wicked Nabal. It relates to someone that is morally wicked and despises holiness and is a disgrace to his family and to all those that help them. This is a very stubborn fool where you're going to find there's not going to be a lot of help for them. They despise anything of God. They only care about themselves and they are going to swath a lot of harm and broken hearts along the way for everyone who tries to help them and anyone who's around them. The Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 21, he that begotteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow and the father of a fool hath no joy. This fool here is this steadfast fool, the Nabal fool. This is the one that anyone who gives birth to a fool, they are going to have nothing but sorrow and heartbreak. 
and the father of a fool hath no joy. Can you imagine that because parents did not discipline their child, they're going to reap what they sow. And because they decided that they weren't going to discipline them so they could enjoy life or whatever it is, now for the rest of their life, they're going to have heartbreak to follow them. It is not a good trade-off. It is better to love the child and correct them while they can. A steadfast fool is self-confident, close-minded, and completely committed to his own God and to his own gratification. And he has dedicated his life to drawing as many others as he can to his own evil ways. Now, there's a lot of description here. He is self-confident. He doesn't need anyone to tell him what to do. He has all the answers. How dare someone try to tell me what to do? He is closed-minded. He's not even willing to entertain any type of counsel, advice, help. And he is completely committed to his own God, normally themselves, that they want to worship themselves. And by the way, if they can get others to worship them as well, they'll take that. And they are dedicated to draw as many people with them. They have that old phrase, misery loves company. This fool loves to have a following. He loves others to recognize how great he is and to listen to his wisdom, his counsel, his instructions. The Bible speaks about this fool in Proverbs 14.1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There are none that doeth good. Many people have quoted this, especially during April Fool's Day. That's the type of fool we're speaking about in that one. That the fool hath said in, their, in his heart, there is no God. Why? Because they're the only God they recognize. They're the only authority they observe. They are the most dangerous of all the fools. And we're going to cover in towards the end of it how dangerous these fools really are. They lead people away. They are in churches, Bible college, families and schools. Now this is important to note. This type of fool has now got to the place where he's beyond a scorner. He's at the place where he is his own God and what he wants is everyone to listen to him. So he's going to go pop up where there's someone to listen to him at. So they're going to pop up in churches. Listen to me. Obey me. I know better than the pastor. I know better than the leadership. They're going to show up in Bible colleges. Listen, the teachers don't know what they're talking about. I will give you great knowledge. They'll be in families. They will hijack the natural order of a family and want the whole family to serve them. They're in schools. You'll find them in schools where they want everyone to follow after them and they'll hijack everything they possibly can. The steadfast fool is also defined in the book of Jude. Of course, the book of Jude is now in the New Testament, uh, the, first, the book right before Revelation. And many people say the book of Jude is the corridor book. If you don't mind, I'd turn to the book of Jude. And I'd like for you to see it yourself in your own Bible. The book of Jude, of course, there's only one chapter. And as I said, many people see this as a corridor book leading into the book of Revelation and the destruction that occurs. The book of Jude spends a lot of time speaking about people like the fool. We'll see him, if you don't mind, the book of Jude, the book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. And turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Jude. And notice with me, starting at verse 4. 
For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. This is what it's speaking about, this steadfast fool. These ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that these men are not on the outside. These men have crept into churches. They're in amongst them. And they're trying to get a crowd to follow after them. And they're turning the grace of God to lasciviousness. Now, just because we're at a politically correct age, let me tell you, they could also be women. What is lasciviousness, by the way? Lasciviousness is a license to sin. You see, what these fools will do is get into a church and they'll start beating away about the concept of sin and turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness. What does that mean? Well, the grace of God is God not giving us what we do deserve. What they like to do is they like to turn it to a license to sin. You could go ahead and do whatever you want. God's not going to do anything to you. You'll be fine. Why do you have to be stuck up with these rules? The pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. You could do whatever you want. They love to build an audience and to turn people to sin. Verse 12 continues on about this fool. It says, these, these meaning this fool here, the Naboth fool, the steadfast fool, these that certain men that crept in unawares, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. That's interesting. They have no fear about what they're doing. They could talk bad about the pastor. They have no fear about it. They are clouds without water. What they're speaking about is that they have fluff, but no substance to them. Carried about with winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. That's a big description for this type of fools. And God is warning the New Testament church about these fools that will creep in inside among us. The Bible says that they have no have a form, but they have no substance. Kind of like a cloud. It's a lot of fluff, but there's nothing to stand upon. Now, in 1 Samuel 25, they have a man by the name of Nabal. If you are catching this, I've been saying this name of the fool is the Nabal fool. That's the Hebrew word. And so here's a man whose name is fool. Nabal is an example of this. In 1 Samuel 25, you have David who's on the run from Samuel and he runs across this man by the name of Nabal. Now, David attempted to reason with Nabal and Nabal railed on him. If you remember that David and his many men, uh, mighty men parked nearby and that they protected Nabal's flocks and they watched over them. And if there was anything that went to attack them, they would just protect him. And they didn't ask anything for it. They were just doing it. Finally, David came to a time of need and he went to Nabal and he said, hey, you know, can you help us out? Nabal said, why should I help you out? Because we've been helping you out. Listen, and Nabal just starts running down David. By the way, this hurt David. The Bible speaks about that David became bitter with Nabal. Now, this is a big deal. 
For those of you who like tracing things, we went over the life and ministry of David a couple years ago. Have you ever considered that a lot of David's actions later on in life came because of this bitterness? This unforgiveness towards this fool? This fool who hurt people with his words hurt David and David in turn turned bitter. Now, let's look about this inside of a church. Can a fool get inside of a church and cause havoc and now people leave and say, I'm never going back to church because somebody was stupid and hurt people and whatever else? Absolutely. That's what these types of fools do, by the way, is that they're in it to wreck everything. And David, if you wanted to trace something about counseling, you started, this is the first place where David really started to get bitter. Then later on, David is finding himself committing sins that he probably shouldn't have. Why was adultery allowed in his life? Could it because, this is a question up in the air, because there was some bitterness that had never been dealt with? And left him vulnerable to attack? Just something to think about. But you understand, you start to see how dangerous these fools are. Is because they can cause a lot of damage. And it never be traced to them. And sometimes. (laughs) Now, let's cover these characteristics of the steadfast fool. They have a seared conscience. Now, seared is a medical term. It comes from an idea that if you had a vein or an artery that was bleeding and wouldn't stop bleeding and you had to stop it immediately, what you would do is you would take a hot iron or something and you would cauterize the end of that vein or the end of that artery so it would no longer bleed, so the person wouldn't bleed out. So this is a medical term. This seared carries the idea of taking a hot iron and cutting off the end of it so it doesn't flow anymore. This type of fool has a seared conscience. His conscience doesn't bother him anymore. It's already been sealed. It's a medical term. It is now taken care of medically. He does not feel bad about anything he does. He could do some of the most horrific damage and he'll never feel bad. Everyone else will around him. But this is important to note that this type of fool has got to the place where his conscience has been seared. By the way, if you were to medically fix one of those seared arteries or things, that's a major surgery that you have to open that up and fix that. It is outside the normal realm to fix. He believes it is right to do wrong. The steadfast fool is definitely that fool. He believes it's right to do wrong and he doesn't have any problems doing it. He is skilled in argumentation. They, lo- they know how to argument and tie people into theological knots. They love how to convince people that the pastor was wrong in the first place. And they'll build a very skilled argument to convince you to do so. And people will get around thinking it was their idea when it was the steadfast fool who was planting this in their mind in the first place. And they seek followers for self-gain. They seek followers for self-gain. Now, if I could pause really quick. We understand that we're applying this to a church setting, but this is not the only setting. Um, I've been asked and already have accomplished in uh, several different times with police supervisors. As a chaplain, they asked me to go in and teach the supervisors 
about fools, how to deal with fools, how to work with them. And they said, this, this is Bible stuff? This is Bible counseling stuff? This is where we live at? Yeah, I know. You see, this applies to anyone that deals with it. And we were teaching uh, police supervisors how to deal and how to identify fools within their own ranks and what they had to do to help correct them. Because if they're early fools, silly fool, whatever else, you, want to, you have the ability to correct them with counseling and to move them, to get them away from these fools. You see, that's an important thing. If you got to identify these type of fools and get everyone else away because they're a danger. Does that make sense? Yes. So what I'm giving you is practical information, not something in a theological crowd. This is something very important that we deal in our life. Now, what's the treatment? All right. Place in solitary confinement. Keep them away from everyone. Keep them away from everyone. You said, but that's hard to do. I, yeah? yeah, but there's practical ways to do that. You keep, and we'll cover some Bible ways here in a bit, but they're dangerous. You keep everyone away. You don't send person after person to go talk to them. That's not to do. You keep everyone away from them. You expose them to the laws of God and nature. We understand there's basic laws of nature. You cannot overrule no matter how far you try, gravity's still going to work. Amen. You could jump off whatever buildings you want. You're still going to fall. It's still going to affect. It doesn't matter if someone says, I don't believe in gravity no more. <laughs> you understand there's laws that cannot be crossed. But it's amazing that these type of fools believe that there's anything that they could do. And it doesn't matter. There's no law that can stop them. Whether it's biological nature... Uh, physical nature with physics, these things, you expose them to the laws of God. By the way, the laws of God don't change either. There's reaping and sowing. There's consequences for actions. We expose them to those things. We refuse to argue and expose their folly. We don't argue with them <laughs> because they're skilled in argumentation and you won't convince them they are already convinced in their own mind. What you do is you expose their folly. Listen, they are wrong. Here is why they are wrong. You expose them. What does exposing them do? It shows that they're weak and vulnerable and that they're not right on everything. You're trying to keep the followers from following after them. He is wrong. Clearly wrong. Why are you following him? Warn others of his errors. Now this is going to be key. We warn them. This guy is dangerous. Stay away from him. Warn others. But that's not loving. No, it's very much biblical. If someone is doing wrong, you point it out. If I said that, hey, there is a restaurant in Green Bay. I've got some backdoor knowledge. There's a restaurant in Green Bay that uh, has been serving poison. And they're continuing to do so. But preacher, which one? No, no, I want to be loving. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin someone's reputation. I don't want to... No, preacher, don't you think it's a... No, no, no. I, I, I just don't want to. I just want to let you know that there's a poison out there. Do you think that it's correct for me to tell you to stay away from a certain restaurant serving poison? Well, if a person's serving up poison, we need to say that's poison. Stay away from it. 
He's going to hurt you. She is going to hurt you. Now these fools are closely related to another descriptive term found in the Bible. This is a term of wolves. There are three major descriptions of wolves found in the Bible. The Bible speaks of ravenous wolves. The idea of ravenous wolf carries the idea of a hunger that tears and, and, uh, <coughs> tears and kills everything. It is violent, ravenous to feed their uh, <coughs> hunger. Excuse me. There's evening wolves. These are wolves that love to heart hunt in the darkness. They love to be in the night. They love to be in secret. And then there's grievous wolves. The idea of grievous is a description given to these wolves carrying the idea that they are going to leave a path of destruction in their wake. They're going to cause grieving and anguish because of the attacks that they're involved in. The Bible speaks about this. In fact, Paul himself takes the Ephesians elders as Paul is on his way to Jerusalem in his last missionary journey before he gets arrested and sent to Rome that he stops by Ephesus and grabs the Ephesian elders and begins to instruct them. He says in Acts 20, starting in verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the counsel of God. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers. By the way, he's speaking to the pastors and saying, Pastors, you need to take heed to yourself. You need to watch over your flock. He says, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Why is he giving this warning to pastors? Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. He says, I know this, and as soon as I turn my back, there's going to be wolves that are in among you. Notice this. They're not from the outside. They're in with us already. And they're not going to spare the flock. These wolves don't care who they hurt. And they're going to hurt people. Also among your own selves shall men arise. Once again, this is a warning. They're here. We have to watch them. Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. This is that steadfast fool. They're looking to find followers, people to follow after them, and they're going to hurt people and they're going to destroy people. They're speaking perverse or twisted thinking things. By the way, if you take the Bible and don't use it correctly, that's twisting it. That's perverting it. He says in verse 31, Therefore, so because of what I just told you, watch and remember that the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Now sometimes people try to apply this phrase to the idea that he's not guilty of the blood of all men. But in direct context, this is talking about the wolves. For three years he was warning the Ephesian elders, watch out for wolves, 
Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Now notice, he was not telling the church as a whole as much as he was the pastors, the shepherds of those flocks. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. They're going to pop in. If you're not careful, they're going to pop in and they're going to tear up your flock. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Three years, night and day with tears. Watch out for wolves. Now if Paul was doing this in the first century with the, budge, uh, the church that is now just now growing up. How much does this warning apply to us? Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Watch out for wolves. Wolves are dangerous and are to be avoided. Right? If you were out in the middle of the field in the middle of the night and you heard a, a wolf cry, you would know that you need to avoid them. You don't go pet up the wolfy, good, cute wolfy. You have enough sense to stay away from them. Danger, danger. You hear that cry. By the way, did you know that wolves howl in a minor chord? That minor chord is a musical chord that goes on that's supposed to put chills in your bones. It's supposed to do a resonant to cause fear. They're to be avoided. The wolves are not only to be avoided, but they are to be marked. How does people know to avoid them? They're marked. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Now that's pretty plain speak. He says, I beseech you, mark them that cause divisions. Who are these divisions? Wolves. Who are these divisions? The steadfast fool. Listen, we're not going to entertain them. We're going to mark them. That's someone who's not teaching correctly. They're teaching contrary to what we teach here. They contrary to what, watch this, to what you've learned. Who you've been learning things from? Your pastor. And avoid them. Why? They're wolves. They're going to hurt you. Stay away from them. But notice it says that we're supposed to mark them. Sometimes a pastor has to do that and try to tell people to say, stay away from them. They're going to hurt you. But I think I could get through with them. No, no, no. Stay away from them. They're going to hurt you. Mark them. But that's not very loving. Hey, my job is to help take care of the flock, not the wolf. We're going to avoid the wolf and we're going to take care and make sure that the flock is healthy. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 And if any man obey not the, our word by this epistle, meaning they're not obeying the Bible, note that man, mark that man, and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. You mark that person. No. Listen, we're not. Now, this is going to be important because you know how wolves work? Wolves don't announce themselves as wolves. They'll come up to you and say, hey, so what do you think pastor said a uh, message this morning? Yeah, didn't sound, sound he was kind of off. I don't think that really meant that. They'll draw you into a conversation and get you to the place where you're starting to talk bad about pastor and you didn't even realize it. You need to be very careful. By the way, we teach our folks that <laughs> if someone says, hey, listen, I didn't like what pastor said this morning. What you're supposed to do is say, you know what? I think there's a misunderstanding here. Hey, let's go talk to pastor right now. I don't want to talk to pastor. How about this? Let's call pastor 
and let's talk to them right now and get this settled. Let's not let this other. Because if they are honest with their question, then we can get it settled. Let's not let it fester. If not, well, they'll know that they can't tell you stuff no more. Remember, people will throw trash in any open container. Don't be open. By the way, I taught that same lesson to the police and they go, that makes sense. We teach our officers that if you have a problem with upper management, chief, whatever else, you go to chief. You don't talk to city council. You don't go to any other officers. You get that taken care of. And if someone comes up to you and says, I have a problem with what chief did. You know what? I think there's a misunderstanding here. Let's go to him and get this cleared up. Wouldn't that take care of a lot of issues? What if you did that at work? I can't believe the boss did that. Well, let's go to the boss and let's go get this cleared up. But the, what if the boss doesn't clear it up? Hey, that person knows they can't come to you and talk about the boss anymore. You're protecting yourself. Does it make sense? That takes some bravery, but again, it's better than having wolves go run wild. Most people might not even realize they are wolves. May I pause? Most people don't even realize they're fools either. That's one of the hardest things about this message. If you could forgive an illustration, this is a true story. There was a pastor who was pastoring a church and inside he had a wicked lady who was just involved with sin and vice and awful things. And the pastor would preach a message and it would come up and he would preach on her sin and pretty much just, you know, say everything she was doing. And at the end of service, he would stand at the door and shake hands and she would always come to him. Oh, preacher, that was a wonderful message today. You really let so-and-so have it. You really let them have it today. The preacher would, you know, preach another message and it would come up and it hit her sin. This time he's being more specific and trying to let her know that it's her that's doing it. And at the end, he would stand at the back door and shake hands and she would come up and say, preacher, that was really good message today. Man, you are really letting them have it today. That was really good. The preacher would just tailor a message just pretty much for her and try to list out everything she did. And again, at the end of the message, he would service, he would stand at the door. True story, by the way. Shake hands uh, with her. And she would go, preacher, that was really, you were on fire today. You were really letting them have it. One day there was a snowstorm and happenstance. The only two people that were in the church was the pastor and that lady. So he said, this is it. This is my spot. She cannot misunderstand this. And so he cleared off a spot and he just plowed the... <laughs> plowed it straight and just shuck the corn and all those other uh, sayings and just let her know that it, everything she did and listed it down and he wasn't even nice about it. He was hard and preached against sin. And then he stood at the back door as his tradition was. She come up and shook his hand and said, preacher, man, you are on fire today. And I don't know what all sins you got in your life, but I hope you got them taken care of. And we laugh at that, but you understand most fools don't even recognize they're fools. So we could go through this whole series and someone can listen to this and say, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for someone else. And it could be you. It could be you. You understand that's the hard thing about here. Most wolves don't even see themselves as wolves. Most fools don't see themselves as fools. Not until it's too late. 
Most of the rest of the church doesn't even realize that there's wolves around them. Oh, so-and-so, they're so nice. They're so smart. Yeah, and that's the problem is that if they're not marked, people don't even realize that they're there. Wolves have carnal appetites. That's why not to attract wolves, we got to leave the fleshy stuff out of church. We keep things simple. We don't put in the flashing lights. We don't put in all the extra things. We don't put the drum set in. We don't bring in the music. We don't bring in the plays. We don't bring in jugglers for Jesus or or weightlifters for the Lord or clowns for Christ. We leave out all of the fleshy stuff because they want flesh. And what will happen is that we want to starve them out by giving them good food, not garbage. We give them the word of God. And give them enough diet of the word of God, the wolves will leave because they're not being fed. It's amazing. Wolves don't like to stand in line to go soul win or to be in a bus route, but they want to be in charge of something, have a position. Meaning they want the uh, title, but they don't want the responsibility. They want everyone to look at them and how great they are, but they don't want to put forth the work. That's why they got lackeys for it. (laughs) <laughs> I am a great position. Well, when's the last time you gone soul winning? I don't need to go soul winning. I'm more spiritual than that. By the way, we solved that here by requiring everyone who's a leadership position to go soul winning. That's a way to protect ourselves. That if they're not willing to labor and be a servant, well, then they can't be in a position here. That's for our protection because we shall all be serving the Lord. But uh, wolves don't like that. They don't like that at all. She wants to know everything that's going on and wants to be in a position where she can call everyone. It's one of the reasons why we're very uh, tight about our church roster. We don't want Mrs. Busybody to get on the phone and start yapping about everything going on and causing issues. (laughs) But she wants to know everything that's going on. If you could uh, forgive the personal illustration, we're several removed. My wife, when we first began to pastor, she had a lady actually come to her and say, all right, tell me everything that's going on. What are you talking about? Well, the last pastor's wife went and talked to me about everything that was going on in the church, and I expect you to do the same thing. Nope. Nope. We found a wolf pretty quick sniffing around. Can you imagine that? Nobody needs to know everything that's going on. That's no, but, but this type of person wants to be in the know. Pastor, people have been coming to me and they've been telling me things. Who's they? If they won't tell you, you know, you got a wolf probably looking around. You understand if there's something wrong, if everyone's coming to you and not coming to me or coming to my wife, there's something wrong you should be bouncing that off as we said before deflecting that back not be in a position where everyone comes to you they want to be seen before people they want wolves love a layup the the alpha wolf will often be in a layup above where they can survey everyone else they like to be in a place where everyone 
as under their auspice. They're the type of people that they don't like to move. They like everyone to come to them. Like in a shaking hands, when we dismiss, they want people to come to them. <laughs> they love that. Now, the best defense for a wolf is a good wolf dog. And good pastors should be training wolf dogs. By the way, it's what I was doing with the police is I was trying to train them, teach them how to get good wolf dogs. A wolf dog is there to smell out wolves. You remember Looney Tunes, you had Sam the sheepdog who had to raise up his hair just to kind of look around for the coyote. You know, good sheepdogs who say, listen here, we're not going to talk bad about my pastor. Listen, you might have a problem with him, you go talk to him, but we're not going to talk bad about my pastor. If you could again forgive the personal illustration, when I was an assistant to the pastor, one of my jobs was being sheepdog. Of course, that was kind of the requirement. And uh, we had three other guys. I was the runt. Now, those who are not watching <laughs> on video, you can't see how greatly large I am, but I'm pretty tall. And I'm not exactly small. And I was the runt. And let me tell you, if there was a wolf that ever wanted to try to attack pastor, we would have wall-to-wall -wall counseling out in the parking lot where all four of us would be on either side and say, listen here, you can come to church, but you're not going to talk about pastor ever again like that. If you have a problem with you, talk to him, but you will never talk to, about pastor. And this is someone who was saying some bad things about pastor. Listen, you can't do that here. <laughs> now, we're not talking about being mean or discourteous. Listen here, if some people would stand up for their pastor, a wolf cannot get ground. Amen. Listen, my pastor is not perfect, but I believe that he loves the Lord and he loves me and we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Wouldn't that go a long way? Yes. You know, <laughs> you don't have to say, well, my pastor's perfect because we know that's a lie. <laughs> you know what? pastor made a mistake. Let's go talk to him and see if we could fix this out. Great. Wonderful. Then we can have peace in the church, have unity and have everything fixed instead of have someone allow Satan to start building a wedge. You know what Satan loves to do? Satan would love to take a, find a crack in the door and then take a wedge and begin to pound that in until there's a big separation between pastor and someone. And it could be something small. Pastor didn't shake my hand. Three weeks in a row. What's wrong? Why does he hate me so much? People do that. Because Satan loves to emphasize that. To put a wedge. To do something so that pastor can't be pastor anymore. Part of being a good sheepdog is to say, listen, we love our pastor. By the way, you should show people that you love your pastor. Amen. If I could say a little thing, this will recording, great, wonderful. I hate Pastor Appreciation Day. But you know, Pastor Appreciate Day is important because you need to show people that we appreciate pastors. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I don't want it for myself, but it's important for you to do it and to do a good job. Does that make sense? You should do the same thing for the pastor's wife. You should let everyone know we love pastor's wife. Not that she wants the attention. She's the last one who wants the attention. But you, you understand because both my wife and I don't want that spotlight. And so people will say, well, they don't want the spotlight. We're not going to do anything for them. No, no, no. It's healthy for the church. Does it make sense? Yeah. You need to let people know we love pastor and we love Miss Leah. 
And that's part of not allowing a wolf to get ground. Because if they say that everyone loves pastor, well, then who am I going to get to talk bad about pastor with me? Does that make sense? That's part of having a good sheepdog and having the leadership of the church on the same page. We're not going to talk bad about pastor. We're not going to talk bad about Miss Leah. If we have a problem with them, we're going to go talk to them and see if we get things sorted out. Right? Well, what if we don't get it sorted out? Well, then you go talk to his boss and either his boss will fix pastor or fix you. See, we've got options here instead of crossing our arms and throwing a pity party. But we have to be careful because wolves are all over. Now, the whole point of this series is to stop people from getting to the place of a steadfast fool. But we also have to be aware that there are some people that have already been there and they're going to try to come in and they're going to try to take over and it'll be slow and sly and subtle. But if we already have things in place, then they won't catch ground and they won't stay. We're going to protect this flock. Does that make sense? With that, of course, this whole series, are you a fool? Are you raising fools? That's the heart of this. What needs to be fixed now in your life? What needs to be adjusted so that way you don't raise fools? And then as a church application, what have you been doing in appreciation for pastor and pastor's wife? Now, again, I'm not doing it because I'm trying to get something. We're doing it for the purpose that we set up uh, an atmosphere here where the wolves cannot get ground. Where they say, listen, this church loves their pastor and pastor's wife. I can't do anything here. I'm going to go somewhere else. We want to protect our flock because there's so many good things going on in this church and the greatest days are still ahead We don't want to do anything to shipwreck this thing. And we want to move forward, keeping our eyes on the Lord, following after him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.